0: Hey, hello everyone. My name is John Cash. I'm the CEO of UR Energy. We are an in-situ uranium miner uh, located in Wyoming. We have our Lost Creek project up and running. And our Shirley Basin project is our second project that's permit ready. And uh, it's an exciting time in the uranium space. Things are moving north. Um, pricing and contract is at a great place. Uh
1: that it is, John, that it is. Uh you, you weren't able to make it over here. A couple of colleagues were uh for the WNA um, here in London. The vibe is buzzing. Uh people are excited, utilities are in attendance, and I, I, I think meaningful conversations are being had. Um, but look, I'm, I wanted to catch up with you. You have been on a your shareprint's been on a tear since we last uh Matt's hockey stick uh type um fashion. Um a few things I want to talk about. I do want to talk about the macro. I want to talk about, you know, obviously what, what you're up to. But you, you just put out your Q2 numbers. Let's kind of just kind of highlight some of those things because I think there's some important elements in there which help, help drive the business forward too. So if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, just a few highlights uh, from the quarterly. First off, the cash position. Uh, we still have a very good strong cash position, uh, $63.7 million as of the last quarter. Uh, so that's seeing us through uh, ramp up at Lost Creek. So we're in a, in a good position there. Uh, also, we've got a really good inventory uh, remaining and it it's 100% produced at Lost Creek, uh, about 224,000 pounds. So, uh, today's spot price of $61, that's worth a lot of money and that's immediately sell- saleable if and when we want to be able to do that. Um, so, we're in a good cash position. Our contract book has continued to grow. Uh, we've got three really good, high priced, long term contracts. Uh, All of them were signed well north of the spot price and the long-term price when we signed them. They're all base price escalated. Uh, And in total, they're worth about 3.75 million pounds, plus or minus a little bit of flex. Uh, But all of those are with major uh, companies, nuclear companies uh, around the world. And so that's put us in a really good place where we're going to start seeing revenues from those this year. And they go for a total of six years. And we're looking to sign more contracts going forward. Uh, We're also ramping up production at Lost Creek uh, to sell into those contracts, and that's coming along. Uh, Header House 2-4 is our first new header house that's up and running. We've got really good flow there, very pleased with that. And we expect to be bringing on another header house probably in about two weeks. And uh, we'll try to bring on one new header house every month, month and a half thereafter until we take our flow rate up to 6,000 gallons a minute. And we'll produce enough to sell into those contracts. Uh, anything above and beyond that we'll hold as inventory. Maybe we'll uh, sell a little bit into the spot if and when that becomes advantageous. But no, we're, we're really happy with where we are and uh, our ability to ramp up and we're working hard to maintain the, that uh, low cost uh,
1: reputation that we've gotten over the years. Yeah, and then like sometimes it's about timing the market um, perfectly. And from everything I'm hearing out here at the WNA and from some of the companies in attendance and some industry players, you know companies that are able to get back into production soon will be the beneficiaries i i i think it seems, it seems to be the message that that's we're hearing. but my slight concern um over some of the com- some of the conversations is the fact that it feels like not everyone who's been talking the game of being able to get back into production will get in and in back into production in time frame that they've indicated because they're going to need higher and higher Incentive price, and if in, if indeed they technically can get out of the ground. So, for someone like you, you're obviously cognizant of that. Um, and with your two your two projects, you've got your contracts. So, can can you take advantage of this? Do you do you feel that, given the conversations you've had to date with contracts you've signed and conversations you're having about future contracts? The market understands that perhaps the powers won't necessarily all be there when they're needed. Yeah, I think
0: the market may be only just starting to come to that realization, uh, especially after Chemical's announcement over the weekend about some of their struggles at their minds, bringing those online. Um, I can appreciate those struggles. They're real. Uh, Getting manpower, uh, I've been very open. That's been a struggle for us. Um, We're where we need to be right now, but we still need to hire a few more uh, going into the future. Uh, for Lost Creek, uh, equipment availability, uh, building out, inflationary pressures, those things are all very real, I can tell you from firsthand experience in ramping up Lost Creek. And I don't think we're unique. Uh, That's going to be true uh, in North America and around the world. So yeah, there are a lot of companies that uh, they're going to struggle to get into production. Uh, We're in an enviable position at Lost Creek in that we already had all of our electrical equipment, supplies we needed. Well, we were looking a long ways into the future. uh, But I've also been very uh, open with the public that when we make the decision to ramp up Shirley Basin, because that's a new facility, we're going to be exposed to more of those challenges at Shirley Basin than we are at Lost Creek. You know, we could build out Shirley Basin in six months and start up production if we had all the supplies and people on the ground ready to go. But that's not the case. So now we're saying 24 months to be able to build that out and ramp it up. Uh, that's a big difference between six and 24 months. But that's the reality that we and other uranium miners uh, globally are going to face right now. And we're at a friendly jurisdiction. We're probably in one of the easiest jurisdictions globally, uh, but we still face those challenges. And I think the market is just now beginning to realize that and uh, start to discount some of those pounds.
1: Yeah, and uh, I guess most investors will be looking in and go, well, well, that scarcity usually drives price, which may drive incentive. So maybe a kind of, you know, circular fashion may allow the sector to get to where it needs to be because we want everyone to be successful, obviously. But as you say, mining is tough, and some people have the skill sets and and, and access to not not just moving parts, but the people um, to, to do that. For... For a company like yourself, you're, you know, very close to that kind of, you know, the, the, that revenue that you're forecasting. Um, you said to me in the past, you're not going to get carried away. You want to focus on what you've got and not get carried away with M and A. But M and A is inevitable here. We've seen lots of zombie projects spring up. I, by that, I mean projects which didn't work the last two or three cycles, and miraculously, they're expected to work this time around. Does 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 that surprise you? Do you think you will, we will see more M&A, whether or not you're going to participate in yourself?
0: Yeah, I think that's inevitable, uh, given where the market's going. Uh, you're going to see more uh, cash flowing into the space from uh, hedge funds and other investors. Uh, that there, It's going to make more sense to uh, do M&A going forward, uh, grow companies, grow the production portfolio, and try to de-risk by going into different jurisdictions. So yeah, that's going to be a consequence of the uh, increasing market. As far as our company goes, we'll do what's best for our shareholders. That's what we're here to do, and uh, we're aggressively looking for acquisition uh, to grow the company. Again, sticking with our thesis of only picking up valuable, mineable projects. We don't want junk, Uh, but there may be somebody that comes in our door and uh, knocks on our door, and we'll listen to what they have to say. And ultimately, the decision will be in
1: the interest of our shareholders. But you're not discounting it then. Okay, so I, I, I was referencing back something you said previously. Okay, so you're not discounting completely out of hand. Um, then in which case, you're, you're obviously putting you, and I guess then the, the buyers and, and con, you know, people putting contracts together are signing a lot of value on people who are actually able to get into production. Not talk about pounds on the ground, but get pounds in the ground, out of the ground, into the into, into the can right that's that's where do you so do you believe that like producers will probably start seeing more of that leverage that has been exclusively the domain of explorers for a sense? i mean what what does it look like going forward for oh
0: yeah no, absolutely in our conversations with utilities which we have frequently uh you know they're indicating that they want diversity they want pounds from uh, proven mines uh from safe jurisdictions so the contracts we've been signing, as I indicated earlier, they're at escalated prices, uh, much higher than at the spot or the long-term price when we signed those contracts. So explain, yeah, they, explain what that uh, means
1: because I had a great conversation with the uh, fuel buyer yesterday, and we talked about the different types of co- contracting terms and agreements and and um, you know movables in there. So you, you've done what type of contracts, and why does that why does that mean that you're not being penalized for going too early?
0: Yeah, so. We wanted to lock in good revenues. Keep in mind that the three contracts we've signed, they've been signed uh, late last year uh, into early this year. So keep in mind where the spot price was during that time. Uh, But they are a fixed price that escalates essentially based on an inflation provision uh, so we can remain profitable and inflation doesn't pass up uh, the uh, value of the uranium. Uh, And that's the way we've uh, established the first three. We wanted to lock in that good, stable revenue at prices that we knew would be profitable uh, for the mine, and we were able to do that. They were all, I would say, uh, anywhere from 3 or $4 a pound higher to maybe as high as $10 a pound higher than what the spot price was when we signed those contracts. And that's what I mean why uh, that they were at escalated pricing. And that's a reflection of companies recognize that we've been a low cost historic producer and they had faith that we could get back into production and be a reliable supplier of those pounds. And I don't think everybody uh, is gonna be able to say that going forward. But our our strategy on our contract book is is changing a little bit. As we're seeing a a more frothy market, uh, we wanna maintain some exposure to those elevated prices as they move upward. So our contract book going forward, our preference would be Uh, something that is uh, market-linked. It may be uh, two different uh, pricing mechanisms where maybe one is base price escalated and another component that would be uh, escalated with market, uh, always with floor protections. Uh, And I think uh, historically, miners weren't always able to get that or ask for that because it was a buyer's market, not a seller's market. But now in our conversations with utilities, it's turned into a seller's market and we can ask for that protection, and they are receptive to that conversation. So that's kind of our strategy going forward: and have a nice mix of base price escalated, uh, but also additional contracts that escalate with price with protection on the floor. It's
1: it's it's, it's an it's interesting. You make an interesting point. It's something we discussed. That, I think yesterday um, with with a group, which is this this transition. It's kind of moving from this. Buyers' market, which has been for a long time, as to much of the frustration of investors for the last, you know, four or five years, and the companies for the last 10, 12 years, um, through to the sellers' market, where you can, and I think, you know, we've seen some CEOs quite forced forceful, including yourself, saying, "We are not moving until we've got a price that incentivizes us to move. We we don't have to. We're not going to." Um, now feels like you're being listened to. It it is serious uh now. The market, the the stop the stock are going green across the board with news out of places like Niger, obviously Camacoast news has helped, and then a, s- a slew of other um events over the past you know couple couple of years. Um do you feel that um the price will move quicker as a result? Because we've talked about the potentially the lack of actual. Powers being produced, not been committed, but actually being produced. We've talked about you know, not there are not many companies uh, currently um, out there who've got the money to actually do it anytime soon. So we've got a delivery delay uh, as well. Even when people say yes, let's go. Um, so again, coming back, to, you know, it comes back to you. Like, how do you play that? How do you take advantage of that in terms of your discussions, your leverage versus what has been a in high leverage, you know, bars market up until now.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's a difficult conversation. We're always trying to thread that needle of when do you jump in with production? When do you jump in with contract? Are we too early? Uh, and, you know The strategy of, that some companies have of we're not going to go into production, we're going to let that price continue to go higher, and we'll jump in later, that's not a, uh, a bad strategy. Um, it, it's a gamble either way, uh, depending on how you look at it. We're able to jump in a little bit sooner than others at UR Energy because of our cost of production is so low. Uh, Compared to a number of our peers. So we can jump in now and have exceptionally good profit margins uh, where others may have to wait a little bit longer. Uh, One of the challenges though with waiting on that contract book or selling, hey, we'll just sell into the spot market, is it is difficult to ramp up a mine even in good times. Um, And now I wouldn't say we're in good times Uh, globally. uh, The cost of money is high, labor is difficult materials are in short supply, permitting is difficult. Uh, So to say, hey, I'll just turn the switch on and make money in the spot, uh, that's pretty challenging because it takes a lot of time to ramp up. Even the most advanced projects take time to ramp up. And in that time that a company is ramping up, that market may have dissolved or softened. And so it, it kind of leaves you in a position where you spent a lot of money making pounds, but then you don't have a home for those pounds. So our strategy has been to go ahead and jump in because we've got good profit margins on those contracts. Excuse me. And uh, we're gonna work hard to keep our uh, prices, our cost of production as low as we possibly can. But but to your earlier point, there are a lot of companies out there. In fact, I'm getting ready for a conference in Washington here in a couple of months uh, where I'll be talking about just global uranium production. And I came up with a list of what I believe, I can say with a straight face, are legitimate projects that have the opportunity to get in production and say in the next eight years or so. Uh, Globally, there are only about 18. Uh, They range in size from probably annual production of 800,000 pounds a year, upwards of 20 million plus pounds per year. But if you add up all of the capacities and you say everything goes perfectly for those companies, they get the permits, they get the financing, they get the people, Uh, the contracts that they need you're only looking at maybe 90 million pounds of production uh i think the reality is uh, over the next eight or ten years the production uh, portfolio is only going to grow by maybe 40 million pounds because a lot of those projects are brownfield projects the cherry's been picked Uh, the best resources have been mined their costs are going to be higher not lower than they were in the past so uh, it's a tough time um a lot more needs to be put into exploration to grow the uh, portfolio globally uh, for the industry. So that that's really the, the tough position we're in right now. But I think that's going to drive prices higher. It has to. I don't think there's any other alternative. Prices are going to have to go higher to be able to incentivize that exploration in that development for the higher cost projects going forward.
1: Hey, that's a slightly terrifying message you're signaling to the market there. Because If you've done the analysis, and you talk about 18 companies, and if everything goes perfectly, they, over the next eight eight years, may be able to deliver a 19 million. But the reality is, it's mining, it's tough, things go wrong, licenses don't get allocated technical issues, people, money, markets, you name it, things go wrong. It's a much, much lower number. And Are you talking about new pounds on top of what the, the existing pounds? Right, um, new
0: pounds, and that's an annual right. number that I'm giving, uh, roughly 90 million right. pounds, new pounds going forward uh, from 18 projects globally.
1: Right, um, and the clip presumably ramped up in, in some way, shape, or form because they're not right. all current producers. Okay, so that's that's a scary number given the demand numbers that we've been seeing. Like the, I was looking at the nuclear Fuel um, report. The demand numbers are insane so it 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 kind of feels like this um well from next year we're saying there will be um inventory gaps with with um some of the um uh utilities we're saying within the next three years there will be a deficit um and there's not too much um mobile inventory to mop up anymore um we obviously we, we, we talked about the kind of um enriched uh, supply at the moment is is well it's, there's desolate scenes out there at the moment it, it seems that's that's a terrifying picture. What happens clearly it 's going to drive price up for sure. I wonder what it's going to do to geopolitics we've seen We mentioned uh, Niger recently does that open things up for Chinese who 've been mopping up um, uranium in Africa for a long time um, what 's it going to do is you know, for russia you know can can Europe get back in there? What's it do for the U.S.? Here again, you you want to you'll be one of the biggest producers in the U.S. They're gonna to have to get it from somewhere. So, what, what's what's going to happen out there geopolitically?
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's already had a major impact on geopolitics. Take a look at Russia, Ukraine. Uh, Russia is the big refiner of of uranium, and so the Western world has been very reluctant to sanction Russia on nuclear fuel. Uh, they've sanctioned Russia on virtually everything else but they won't touch and can't touch nuclear fuel. It's, that's been a really difficult conversation. Uh, maybe we eventually get there. US Congress is looking at a sanction. Um, they may take that back up this fall, uh, but my goodness, we're well over a year now into this conflict and we've not found a solution uh, to replace that supply yet. So it's already having an impact on geopolitics. And I think uh, com- countries around the world have recognized, hey, if I can capture that supply, That puts me in a really powerful position when it comes to energy supply globally. And you know what? If you control energy supply, you control a lot. Uh, Nations have to have that. Politicians recognize that, hey, if I want to get reelected, I've got to have cheap uh, energy for my constituents. And if I don't, I'm out of office. And that's true globally. So it's going to continue to have a major impact on geopolitics going forward. It's such a small industry. I've heard that the total market cap of publicly traded companies is about forty billion. Uh, I'll have to go back and verify that number, uh, add up some uh, some of the market caps, but roughly forty billion. That's that's nothing, and it's very easy to control that uh, from by state-owned enterprises who have the backing of their governments.
1: Yeah, well, I think if you double, triple, quadruple that number, it's still a small number um, compared to technology companies. I think Apple's bigger than. That by some some distance. Um. Okay, but I'm. I guess I've got to keep coming back. Your investors want to hear. Well, what does, what does that mean for you? Your investors are going to want to hear. For well, you know, can you take advantage of that? Um. You know, you talk about you know you know uh, the ramp up period, but you've also got to ramp up to a point which you set yourself, which is a scale which you set yourself. So. Um, we know kind of where you're at with your current project, and you said you you know you're not uh, averse to doing M&A if it's the right deal um, at the right price. Um, is scale going to be important for a North American producer? And if so, does it, you know does that sort of change does a change or adjust your thinking um, in terms of near term versus a kind of more longer term view?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Scale is important. Certainly, that's one of the things we look at we're trying to improve the return for our shareholder. Uh, There are a lot of fixed costs at any mine, uranium, copper, gold, it doesn't matter. Uh, So we want to be able to produce more pounds. We don't want to minimize the pounds. We want to maximize that production and that'll drive our cost per pound down by several dollars a pound. And so we want to be able to uh, do that by maximizing production at Lost Creek but also by uh, in the not too distant future, we would like to be able to ramp up Shirley Basin once we've got the contracts in place to justify that. So we're doing that to try to keep our prices as low as possibly uh, can. We're looking at making sure we've got the most qualified people uh, possible to run our operations. We like to hire experienced people uh, and just everything we can possibly do to keep that cost of production down Looking at opportunities to expand production, uh, to be able to uh, have more contracts in place. And uh, again, looking at those market-related contracts. So as the price does continue to go higher, we benefit from that. We're not locked in at profitable margins. We're locked in at much higher margins and have access to those much higher margins going forward. So yeah, we're in a really strong position right now as we're well into ramp up at Lost Creek. Uh, again, looking hard at Shirley and looking hard at m and to see if there's any good opportunity to make acquisition for projects that we can bring into production that are quality projects. Uh, there are a lot of old, worn out projects out there that are probably not going to be in the money until you get in the 70s or 80s, uh, dollar a pound. We're not terribly interested in that. We're interested in things that the break even is more in the 40s, maybe the low 50s uh to make acquisition. But that's kind of our strategy moving forward is maximize production, get good contracts in place, um grow that uh, production any way we possibly can.
1: Right. And with that with that cash or cash equivalents, because we've got kind of inventory um there as as well, do you feel under any pressure to kind of make that work harder? Because it it's just sitting there doing nothing is yeah. You know, it's fine because you're not under any kind of pressure um, in terms of of money, not, not, not capital, because capital constraints in any way, shape or form. But you've also got to do a return on that capital um, at some point. So the, the, but the best way as you see it for your investors is, is to do what with that cash when? Yeah. yeah, we'll continue to use some of that
0: for ramp up at Lost Creek. Uh, ultimately, we hope to be able to use some of that for ramp up at Shirley Basin. Uh, you know, for years we got virtually no return on that capital as it sat in the bank but now with interest rates being what they are and we're in a very secure bank uh, we're actually beginning to see some return from that money which is kind of nice uh but uh but yeah we're gonna just be careful with that cash we're not interested in going out and just burning through it it's gonna if we make an acquisition and use some of that cash for an acquisition it has got to be the right project uh, otherwise We're very stingy with that cash. We're happy to hold on to it and utilize it uh, for minimal reasons, you know, corporate GNA and ramp up, those types of things. We want to get ourselves in a position where we've got revenue uh, incoming. We don't want to dilute our shareholders. If you take a look at our dilution compared to pretty much any of our peers globally, our dilution has been dramatically less than anybody's, and that's because we've had reliable revenue from past contracts and that's where we want to get back to, selling into those contracts. We've got good income uh, coming in, and so we minimize dilution and ultimately uh, get into profits for our shareholders.
1: Okay. Well, look, um, John, I mean, in terms of your your thoughts about, you know, some of the conversations coming out of the WNA, in terms of ha- how, how you play this, I guess you guys can report back to you, you know, maybe, maybe the beginning of next week or, or, or something. It would be great if you could kind of come back on and go, right, I, th- I, I think there's a kind of clear path forward for us producers in this market, because this is what we're hearing from from utilities. We, we'd love to, you to know, share that with us as soon as you've got a, a stance and a take on that one. But uh, appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. It's
0: been good to be on with you.